For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Ephesians 6.15, New Living Translations. Strikers, let's continue talking about the armor of God this week on the Mighty Anvil. God, you are my smith. Forge me into the servant that you would have me be. Hit me hard enough to brush the scale and impurities from my life. Draw out my life to the length that you would have it. Make me tough enough to resist persecution, and temper me so that I am hard enough to withstand my temptations. Lord, as I go through life, put me back in the fire from time to time to repair me as I get blemished with sin. And when my life is over and the fires of life are all quenched, grant me a home with you in heaven. Amen. 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 Well, Alan, how are you doing, sir? I'm a little tired. Um, yeah, just a little bit because of the whole the daylight savings stuff. Ugh. Stayed up too late partying? Can we just get rid of that? <laughs> Can't just, like, all the time, just no more. It's so a I, nightmare at work, too, because, like, we have to do, like, this thing with the IVR system to where we have to, we have to make a change for daylight savings time. Arizona's the only one we was just like, that's fine, whatever. Uh, I don't mind the, the daylight savings time so much. I don't know why. I like, I like, I like change. I like mm-hmm. keep me on my toes. But, uh, yeah, and I went to bed about 8 o'clock last night, so well, it, it didn't affect me. You also don't have a seven-week-old seven daughter. It's a month. Seven-week-old. This is true. That's up all the time. And uh, I'm hoping and praying that it never happens again. You need to sleep train. That's what you need to do. Working on it, but... They don't... Kids nowadays, they don't no, want to listen. Not, not at seven weeks. What do we got at uh, Grace Point Family Church going on? Grace Point Family Church uh, coming up on August, August. August? April. April the 2nd, we have Bring the Light Ministries uh, starting at noon from, from noon to four. Also, our food pantry is open uh, at 505 North Powell Parkway, open Monday and Wednesday from 4 to 7 p.m., and Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon. Man, that brain on you and knowing that address without looking at anything, that's pretty impressive. And you know, I almost have the, the blacksmith prayer memorized. Really? Yeah, I, I should by now. But well, yeah, <laughs> we, yeah <laughs> so. we've heard it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, just a few. Uh, yeah, it took a little bit of time. And uh, how about Easter? This is uh, coming up uh, pretty that close. That is coming up. Yes. Yeah. How, what do y'all do for Easter over there? So last year for Easter, we did like a big citywide uh, Easter egg hunt for the kids, uh, all age groups, and it was down at one of the parks uh, past the high school. I don't remember the name of the park offhand, but uh, when I get more information about Easter, I won't mention that in the next podcast. Right on. Well, for Elevate Family Life Church, what? <laughs> it's I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. That's the time We've done, this will be the third podcast we record this week, and I'm a little... I'm a little frazzled. Yeah, it's been a week. At Elevate Life Church, April 9th, we have a what? we have a parent summit. And it's free, guys. So, April 19th, parent summit at Elevate Life Church, and it is free. What are they going to discuss at the parent summit? How to be a good parent with okay. God at the center of your family. Right on. No, I think that's great. April 16th, Easter egg hunt and car show. Uh, it's a pretty nice little car show that we had, and we haven't had it the past couple of years, but um, it's coming back. And then uh, April sixteenth and seventeenth, we have the C production, uh, the Easter show that uh, ELC puts on, and it's pretty nice, pretty nice little show. So if you haven't been there or seen it, uh, stop on by, say hi to me, and uh, I'll give you a big old handshake and bear hug. Your your choice. Uh, embrace events. <laughs> no, I'm like the severance the show oh we we can also give you a handshake if you like i'll take the handshake i'll take the handshake i'll have to uh, the lady kind of gets weird she's like (laughs) stay focused help me help me alan help me alan (laughs) so embrace events coming up april 29th through the first adopt a family camp out at lake whitney state park um if you are a mighty man in the house at ELC, that is an opportunity to serve that family on or serve embrace by setting up tents, I believe there's other things like cooking dinners and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's not a date in May at this time, 
but in May they uh, Embrace will have a golf tournament to raise funds for uh, the foster kids there. And June 8th, Child to Family Connection Adoption Event at Prestonwood Baptist Church. An opportunity there to learn more about uh, Embrace and foster kids that are in the area and helping them out. So uh, there's some other big news coming up. Uh, we are partnering partnering with Embrace, and that's uh, Elevate Life Church. We've already, as a podcast, have kind of kind of been helping them out as well. But now Elevate Life Church is uh, stepping in, and hopefully, some big things are coming their way. Awesome. So, if y'all didn't catch that, Strikers, there was a voice that hopped on a few minutes ago that uh, y'all might have known. That deep, sexy voice. Oh, yeah, well, that, one's, that one's Alan. Thank you. And then we've got another one uh, that's uh, maybe uh, in the same bravado. I don't know. Um, welcome back to the show, Dan. Lieutenant Dan. Hey, what's happening? How you doing? <clears throat> I'm good. Sorry to clear my throat so that I can get the right octave. Yes, a little deeper, sir, a little deeper. Right on. So uh, we got Dan North back on the show talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he, he's bringing today. Uh, definitely has always brought something to the table and will definitely make you think. So uh, that's the introduction. We've uh, changed it up a little bit unless your core values have changed lately. Nope, still the same core values. What oh, wait, this is a podcast. I'm shaking my head. No, my core values have not changed. Okay. Um, and w- just real quick hits, what were they? So Top three. Well, no, if you remember, my core values are embedded with each one of our names. That's right. That's right. I so remember that. We have legacy, legendary, love, and life. Ah, uh, yes. And the little girl's the life. London is love. Oh, London's love. My wife is life. From where life comes. Yeah. Ah. Okay. <laughs> Laid yes. my son is the legacy, and I'm legendary. Yeah. Yes, you are legendary. Legend. Wait for it. Airy. <laughs> uh. So, hey, who are what are three traits that you admire in other people? So. I'll kind of throw them mixed together. Um, one thing I really like to see is like unbridled uh, kind of confidence as it pertains to like who you are in Christ. I used to, you know, when you when you would sit up in the bowl and you'd watch very emphatic um, persons during worship, like those people are meant not to put a spotlight on, but to inspire others. So, uh, pastor Steve being one of those people, cause when he'd get jumping around, I'd get jumping around and just kind of feed off each other and realize that like, no, he doesn't care. Or his worship is for God. It's not for anyone else. And so to me, when you have that, it's almost like a superpower because you just, you are unashamedly and unapologetic to who you are in Christ. So as we all should be, I like that. That's one trait. Hmm. That's. A, I mean, it's a tough one. I'm trying to think of how I want to word it. I, I like, I tend to admire people that embody, you know, we used to call them the leadership principles, which is loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage, leadership. Um, and what that effectively is, is you pull all those together and many people have them as core values, but what you get is someone that, um, creates followable excellence. So like, that's a trait that I look for. Not so much. I want to be like somebody, but someone that I can look to and then sort of they, what they did worked. And then I'll see if it works for me, especially if it had, you know, fruit of the vine in this case. So that's another thing that I tend to admire. Is it a trait or a skill? No, that's not a trait. I think the last one would be, I like people that are passionate, um, especially like to me, I've always been able to get behind people that are passionate, even if I don't agree with their viewpoint, because it means they care. And I actually was just preaching, not preaching this, but I had this in my 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 eulogy yesterday about the only way you can truly get hurt in life is if you care. 
And it's really the only way that you could actually live because you're living to the point where you care so much you don't you don't care about the outcome. If you get hurt or if you don't, you you put all of yourself into it so you live fully. Um, you know, that's why we talk about Christ came to give you life and life abundantly. That's that character trait of passion. Like I want you to live. So I like him. Favorite uh, Saturday morning cartoon growing up as a kid? Man. <laughs> Cartoons have gone so downhill. Yes, they have. Mm-hmm. You were just talking mm-hmm. about SpongeBob. I'm, but, uh, I miss I miss the days when things weren't offensive because there was a show, and I can remember the jingle. Do you remember Wayne Head? No. Remember what? Wayne Head. Wayne The Wayans brothers had a cartoon, and it was about this little black kid who had a weird shaped head and it was the it was the funniest show and and if you put it on now uh people would scream from the rooftops but it was about he had created this life in this world in the ghetto and it was uh, to me i loved his way in head way in head the party's just for fun Wayne Head, Wayne Head, it's the four one one or something. I don't know, but it had a jingle. Ah, that was awesome. <laughs> Strikers, y'all heard that? Y'all heard that here first? Y'all heard? Oh, Google it. Good. I'm telling you, because then you have Pinky and the Brain, which everyone remembers. Yes. Yep. I got Pinky tattooed on my body. What's? Let's go with the third one. I don't know. We'll just stick with those two. I threw that one out there for the most obscure reference ever on your podcast. That was, that, that, Let's see how many people. I don't think I've ever. Seen, I don't. So I remember Wayne's Brothers. Well, obviously. And then I don't know why I said obviously, but Wayne's Brothers. And then I remember like the beginning of their show. They did have like a cartoon character kind of dancing around. But that was all I ever saw of it. Huh. I never knew they actually had a cartoon. Wayne had. There he is right there. And. Yeah, and how it looks how, like the older brother, Damon. Damon. Nineteen ninety six. Wow. Okay. How old are you? Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Okay. So he's younger than me. Puppy, puppies. In this Thirteen room. episodes, one season. Oh, the theme song. The party's just begun. That's what it was. Wayne head, Wayne head. The party's just begun. Wayne head, Wayne head. It's the four one one for fun. <laughs> Boom! Mic drop. We're done, guys. We'll see y'all next week. We have. Thanks for tuning in. I really don't understand why marketing companies have gone away from jingles because it was to me. If you ever want something to stick with somebody, put it to a tune. Dalworth. Two six seven eight four three three. Yeah, because the next best thing to new is Dalworth Clean. Seriously, any jingle you can think of. Y'all won't get this anywhere else. No. I have literally the best jingle that came from Texas, and I truly wish it had a... You can YouTube this too, Strikers. So, there used to be a place called Western Warehouse. Oh, yeah. And it had a jingle. Do you remember it? Bob Ball, Western Warehouse. Uh-uh. No. No, that's Bob Bob Westway Forward. Westway Forward. Forward. <laughs> yeah. Okay. West, Western Warehouse was, I got a ranch in downtown Dallas. <laughs> yes. I buy diamonds by the ton. That's I right. chase cuties in my Cadillac and ride Orwells just for fun. Well, when it comes to boots, I need the deal that'll fit me right toe to heel. So I get my boots at Western Warehouse. Yeah. I'm telling you. This is quickly becoming my favorite episode. If you just put things to a jingle, people will remember them. And how long ago was that? I mean, yeah, you remember. Yeah, okay. Anyway. There's another one about electrician that I can think of now, but we'll keep going. 20 minutes of fun here. That was awesome. All right, well, let's get down to business. The breastplate of righteousness. So, Dan, what does uh, righteousness mean to you? So, I had to think about this two ways because I think about sort of a passive and an active in, in terms of righteousness. And you get this righteousness that you sort of carry as abiding by the, like the, the law and it's written in biblical law. So you understand like what are the measures that, that create what would be a righteous person just because 
they've received and imputed Christ and like they're being obedient to his word and that type of thing. I think that's that's being passive. You have an understanding of it. You know what the Bible says. But then there's an active component and it actually, there's a Latin term, righteous quorum dio, which is he is in a right relationship with God. And to me, that element of righteousness is you understand that it's not self, it's serve. And so you can you can see that that person or when we're talking about character traits when i think of righteousness i think of being in sort of succinct alignment with with christ and god's purpose and that's the way that i look at it is it too deep did i go way too what were you thinking i was going to say no 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 that's i was just trying to being moral being moral and ethically correct and justifiable that's what most people would think righteousness is Mm. but why do you think we have that that you said that's what most people think. Why do you think we kind of deviate towards that? Well, so I think if you actually break down the word righteousness, you can almost directly translate it into the word upright. So it's why we think of like the just, like the moral choice, because it's upright. It's standing in, you know, in a in in great moral standing, I guess is the way that you would think about it. But I look at it as just a little bit deeper. That's why I gave you the, your your Latin reference that you can pull up. Yeah, I'm trying to th- also think. It's like, what are some other characteristics of righteousness? Doing the right thing. That's that's standing upright, right? That's kind of what you were just saying. Yeah, moral and ethically just. So the reason why I said you have the active and passive is because I think in the Bible when righteousness is referenced you have someone that not only does the right thing but also abides by the laws of the land and so they they get that's why i said one's kind of passive one's active like you know the the speed limit you don't have to actively think about how fast am i going am i going fast enough oh i went over the speed limit go below the speed limit oh is this right you're not actively participating in assessing what the speed limit is. You are aware that it's there. You understand the law of the land and you could get a ticket, so on and so forth. So not only do you get the implication, but you also understand that there are, are actions that may come if you choose to deviate. So kind of like when we hit a school zone, everybody knows it's 20 miles an hour. But right. No, but you don't have to think about it. And then the right thing to do is you you slow down and then you maybe are considerate for people as they're walking or you yeah. stop. So you begin to put righteousness into action where you're doing the right thing and you're also an observance, observance of the law. Okay. So, so for starters, real quick, can we go, uh, can you describe a breastplate? Yeah. So uh, I think originally when this, there's, there's many references throughout it. If you, if you pull sort of the references out of Ephesians, you, you think of like uh, a suit of armor, right? And, and again, not knowing how you've done these out of order, but the breastplate, actually, if, if you look at it uh, during that time, during an, an Israeli suit of armor, the breastplate actually lynched to the belt. So without the belt, the breastplate would fall off. So the, the belt of truth is critical when we're talking about putting on the armor of God, because without it, your righteousness has nothing to hinge to. And... The way the truth and the life is meant to give you something to connect to so that as you're trying to protect your heart, that breastplate that's there to protect your vital organs, your heart, etc., has something that it's grounded in, a.k.a. the belt. What do you think the correlation is between the uh, breastplate, between righteousness and the breastplate? Why did they go there with, with righteousness? So... Uh, Think of the breastplate as salvation. And it's given to repentant sinners, right? So as you've repented of your sins and accepted Christ, you 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 get the opportunity. So that's the if you look at the the action verb to put on the full armor of God, doesn't mean you wear it every day. You actually have to physically put it on. And so adorning the breastplate for me is is a spiritual and a physical representation of guarding my heart and my soul and my spirit from deception and evil. Uh, and, and really to, to understand that 
like on the front of that armor is is Christ. So if you think of like a crest, if we were thinking like, and I know you were talking about medieval times, like my moniker for Christ is on the front so that the enemy knows who I am and knows whose I am. And as long as that's guarding my heart, whatever weapon formed against me will not prosper. So anything that he shoots at me, it's not going to be... it, it will basically be ineffective. That's the way that I look at it from the correlation. Um, the other thing I was going to put in there, because I wrote this down, was the reason why you put on the breastplate of righteousness and you aren't self-righteous, we talked about being passive and active and understanding good and understanding the law of the land is not sufficient enough to guard you from Satan. So when you choose to put on Christ's breastplate of righteousness, you understand that my righteousness alone is not sufficient to protect me. And God says, here's mine. You wear it. So how do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? So uh, when we used to talk about this, I would think of like physically putting it on. And and what that... The reason why I think it's important to go over each one of the pieces is when you put on the belt of truth and it's firmly in place then you know that your righteousness is centered around God's truth and it's not you being self-righteous for your own attempts and your ability to press God and those type of things. So when I when I think of seeing myself in Christ, I think of I have to put on the armor of God to be able to make that reference because it gives, I think of it as like, it gives me the ability to 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 feel his righteousness when I put it on and if he's dwelling in me and around me and through me and all of those things I begin to sort of see it as a physical it's not so much a spiritual breastplate and and without it I think you become just kind of open in a sense of anything that the devil could throw at you you no longer have this ability to to fight it off so if you don't put it on and know that you know, as I've as I've adorned myself in this armor, I'm going out to battle. I'm obeying your word, and I'm following the path that you've created for my life. I think those declarations is kind of how you assert that you have it on. That's why I don't think you should really be passive about putting on any of the armor of God. It shouldn't be. It should be something that you kind of assert daily, because that's what I've said when it when He tells you to put it on. It's an instruction. It's not. Oh well, don't worry. You have it on from yesterday. How many Israeli soldiers would sleep in their bed with their full armor? Because there's two ways to look at it. It's either a metal breastplate or it's chainmail. Mm-hmm. Neither of which is comfortable. But when you know what its purpose is, I think you wear, wear it with the sense of, I don't wear it because it's comfortable. I wear it because I have to. How do we become, right- How do we become righteous? Man, um, I think... <sighs> Is it just doing what we like following the rules? Is that is that just becoming righteous? You 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 had a, you said a couple of things there, but you know, for me and I, I go I tend to go with that second one that you were talking about, and it is doing the right thing and what we know is right and learning what learning what is right from God and following his rules and but yeah, how do how do we become righteous? So I think you always have to go back to the word to understand sort of what do these things mean? Proverbs 8.20 tells us that I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice. And the way that I kind of read that is if I'm if I'm walking in righteousness, that means as as we kind of talked and explained, I think you're as you as you strive to be more conformed to the image of Christ and that I think was Romans eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So, as you begin to understand, you are you are moving towards something. So you're moving towards conforming your life to be more like Christ. Then your decisions and your choices are all governed by sort of this godly framework. And the further that you get away from temptation and deception the more you understand what righteousness is. That's why it truly is a decision to put it on your armor every day because you can choose not to. And I think 
You're either, man, we talked about this last night. You are either falling back to fall away from God to hide, like in Genesis 2, or you're falling into the arms of God where grace is, meaning I'm going to fail forward because at least I know he's there to catch me. Um, I think every time you choose not to fail forward or to fall into his arms, you begin to go backward towards temptation and deception. I think you're less likely to put your armor on if you continue to go that direction. Because you're, if you think if this was a battle, you'd rather be retreating. I don't want to put my armor on. Like, I'm not going to go out to fight today. So going back to putting on the armor of God, is there, and you don't have to tell us what it is, but is there anything that you say to yourself when you... Like first thing in the morning when you get up, that reminds you that you're putting on the armor of God. So I have my biblical namesake being Daniel. I have an infatuation with the lion's den, right? So, uh, like I love a lion on my phone. I I like understanding the the spiritual and biblical reference to a lion, and then thinking about how lions are in nature. But Ask me your question again. I want to make sure I answer correctly. Is there I, anything that you say to yourself that reminds you? That yes, that's what it was. First okay. Peter five eight. Uh, be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion, seeking to devour you. So, um, I feel like when I make that choice, or or when I when I decide to think like, at any step there is a prowling lion that's sort of out there. And didn't I ask this question? I feel like I asked you this question. Maybe I didn't. Are you more afraid of the lion that you can see or the one that you can't? So if you think of like a lion hiding in the grass, Clever girl. Is, is it more scary to know that there is the possibility of, of the devil that's sitting out or the devil that you can see? Man, I think it's, for me, it's scarier for the one I can't see. Because I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's thinking. Which is why that verse is important. Be sober-minded and watchful. Uh, so when when you make these declarations, it's really to just clear your mind and be focused. And so uh, I think about that one. And we used to do this during SoulCon, right? You just you speak the things that the Bible says about you. I am chosen. I am anointed. I am highly favored. Purpose from the Lord. Like you, you speak that over you as you prepare. So it's almost like preparing your... your yourself for battle and yeah. and i think we like you know we used to joke about that right it's like we we're not all warriors maybe <sighs> else so we, we did do. we used to do daily declarations right yeah, yeah. once once you've done everything you know as you're brushing your teeth you speak those things over yourself so that before negativity can flood your mm-hmm. space you have prepped your mind to be in a positive subset because otherwise you wake up and you're like, oh man, what is today? Oh man, I got that meeting. You just begin to go down this negative and you haven't yeah. spoken any positive over your life. And the more of those days you have, just like with here, I think you 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 lose the protection. You get further and further away from God the more that those negative things get spoken over you. Mm-hmm. I mean, the breast, breastplate is almost like something that, it's, it, while it can't be the first, because I told it, it has to be connected to the belt, has to be founded in truth. There, there are plenty of pieces of armor that I think are important, but that's almost like your last line of defense. When you've lost your shield and your sword and your shoes, that breastplate is the only thing that's protecting you. Hmm. Strikers, uh, let's take a break real quick, and then we'll come back and get more into being and what we need to do to be righteousness to be righteous. So we'll be right back. And we're back. Hey, Strikers. Uh, we're here with Dan North talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Sometimes that's a little tongue twister for me, so I really have to think about it. But, um, Alan, do you have any? Yes. Uh, going back to what did say? Putting, putting on the armor of God. Is there, can you wear the armor of God incorrectly? So <laughs> I, I think I brought that up, right? Which was... Um, Let's say you don't adorn the full armor of God. So let's not say incorrectly. Let's say, can you wear an incomplete suit of armor? I think that that's 100% true. Uh, I've seen many people put on the armor of God and forget their sword, right? Which is all of that biblical knowledge and understanding and foundation for you to not to walk with the weary or the sinners or stand in the path of those. You have to 
you have to understand each piece's importance to know am I missing something? I guess if that makes sense. Because if you don't, then you don't know what if you don't know what what each piece stands for, then you may not know that you have it all on. Okay, so then what can happen if something like the breastplate, for instance, if that's worn incorrectly? Do you have any, you know, in your own thought, in your own words? Yeah, I think if you don't, if you're not guarding your heart, then the all the seeds of evil can penetrate the one place which becomes more of a spiritual battle than anything else. I think you can battle the rest of it. You know, if you didn't have on the belt of truth and you may not know Christ's plan or purpose for your life or the reason why he died for our sins or any of those things, maybe you have a very shallow understanding of Christianity. So maybe your your belt is like a, a piece of rope. You know, maybe it's not leather as we would think or something that's more pristine or secured. I think you almost could like evolve your armor over time. I'm, I'm thinking about that as I'm talking about. I don't know why that image came in my yeah, that's, mind. I don't know. Like, that's interesting. You, you, could, you could be a warrior for Christ, but maybe you have a wooden shield and you yeah. have a, like a staff because you're, you're not this battle-hardened warrior just yet. You understand the pieces, mm-hmm. but they're not... Maybe they haven't been tested. I don't know, man. I'm going to have to think on that one. Yeah, we might have to come back and, and think on that. I, I like that thought because, uh, you know, video games, you can upgrade your armor there. Hey, and I think Link. it is just as you walk through. It's dangerous out there. Don't don't forget. Don't go without this. And he hands you the wooden sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zelda. Man, we're going to get on jingles here for the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's that's pretty impactful there, knowing that... So I think it's important to, to know that, uh, you know, as you are new in the faith, you do get that wooden sword. But uh, as you grow in your faith, it becomes bronze. It becomes uh, stainless, uh, probably not stainless steel back in the day, but, you know, uh, different different forms. It just becomes stronger and, you're, and in your faith it becomes stronger as well. Like the Mandalorian. You have the best car and now you get to upgrade it and get to add more pieces to it and it looks better and shinier and so maybe to Alan's point maybe the only thing that you have is maybe the only thing you have is your sword because it's all you know about so um and it makes more sense because think about this the soldier who only has a sword what is he doing do you think he's hard charging or is he going to sit back and wait He's, he's maybe going to be sort of in the self-preservation mode. And he's not going to willingly go into battle because all he's got is a sword. And he looks at the man next to him. Or maybe he looks at the enemy. And the enemy's like, you know, who's the guy from Lord of the Rings? You know, who's got this fully, this crazy black metal. And, Sauron. Yeah. And it's you're intimidated all of a sudden. You're like, well, I got this sword, you know. So I think you could probably do a full episode on just how the evolution of the armor of God takes place in someone's life. Yeah, that's that. Thank you for that. Uh, that little thought process there. We might have an extra episode. I'd like that. Take note. Why is justice so important to us? And why do we find it easy to judge people? Man, so. We uh, we just got done doing this. I instructed the guys in our small group to watch The Shack. And it speaks specifically to this topic, right? About why why do we feel like um, revenge is ours when it belongs to the Lord? Making things just is not our choice because do you really want to sit on the seat of justice? And... And I, I thought about this one time very pragmatically when I was looking at kind of the state of the world and all these people were fighting with each other and, and I'm right, you're right, and no, this should have happened or this guy should be in jail or this and that. It's like if you sat on the seat, where does, where does justice, if the justice system isn't functioning correctly, if it's you, if mob rule, then... It's like the thumbs up, thumbs down. We go back into the Colosseum, right? Mm. The rule of the people, dead. That's not justice, or is it? And that's why I don't ever want to temper around that seat. So I never like to look at things 
as though I feel like someone got what they deserved. Because if we got what we deserved, we would die, right? Mm. The punishment of sin is death. Sin 10 mm. times over is death everlasting. I used to tell people that's the definition of hell. When Jesus asked you, did I die for your sins or are you going to die for all of them? And for Christ believers, we're like, you died. Because then they say, well, if I did, you didn't. They're like, well, you sinned 1,978,000 times, you know. And every one of those is death, punishable for eternity. It's such a clear sort of line and thinking like, I don't want to sit on a seat of justice. But I think it's easy to, to default to that because I don't know if it's because we're programmed that way. I don't know if it's because of the fall of man. I'm thinking like when when we feel like something has been wronged, your first instinct is to not turn your other cheek, as the Bible would tell us, or to love your neighbor, which in most instances is the person that you would like to enact justice against. <laughs> so that's why it's it's easy because it's default emotion. You know, men's default emotion is anger, and usually from anger you want retribution. So that's true, though, and I wonder why that is. I think just because at the end of the day, it. I think it makes us initially it may like a gut reaction. It makes us feel good. Well, he cut me off. So I'm just going to cut him off. Ha ha ha. Now I got the upper hand and now it, you feel good initially. And then later on, you know, you really think about it. You're like, yeah, that was a D bag kind of move. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> That's why I don't wear my, I would put my church sticker on my car. I don't have mine either, but, but I mean, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but I think that's what it is. I think honestly speaking, our knee gut reaction at first was like, well, I'm going to, he did, you know, they did this, so I'm going to do this. And it makes, it makes you feel better in the moment it does. And then when you really sit down and think about it later, you're like, yeah, I, I could have handled that a lot better. So you can also look at it from where your heart is on it because, um, Think about how, if if you really want to go a layer down, think about living in love and understanding God's justice, right? And it goes back to the shack. You've got the dad that his dad beat him, and then he beats him, and then his son poisons the dad. And you look at that whole thing of, like, was justice served? And what what God purposed was this unique opportunity for unforgiveness and all this stuff. So uh, if you look at it from the lens of like, what is just for God, it's, it's still centered around loving your neighbor because you can lovingly restore justice, like volunteering at, you know, you were talking about the opportunity for the, like, was it orphans or those, are, the Bible specifically speaks to the justice of the fatherless. So what's, giving them what they deserve is a is a father that's a different lens than what we would traditionally look at it right we're looking at it from the lens of negativity and wanting to judge but judging effectively in this case of well justice for the lord is to restore that relationship and live in love so giving them the things that they deserve may just be good things not negative in uh doing some research uh the quick turnaround that we had today um I was reading Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, and it says, This is what the Lord says. Be fair-minded and just. Do what is right. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Quit their evil deeds. Do not mistreat foreigners, orphans, and widows. Stop murdering the innocent. When I read that to you, what is that? What, do you, what comes to mind? Let's give a voice to the voiceless. Speak up for those who can't. Um, you know, I think about we we have that core value centered with with honor and integrity. That's that's that. Seeing injustice could just be standing in the face of opposition for someone that's doing something that's unjust. I think we talked a little bit about that, but uh, man, I was trying to look to to see that because it's not in this translation. You have it as an exclamation point. We'll always look for the at. To me, whenever I read scripture and it starts with the Lord says, I look for where where the action verb. So we have a think, be, do. So I have a be fair-minded and just. A do what is right. Uh, help those who have been robbed. In this case, help those who've had injustice enacted against them and rescue them from the people who are enacting that injustice. So 
the way that when I hear that, it's speak up, right? So um, if if God tells me and his word says that I have courage, then I should stand up and speak up for the oppressed. And I, I like this verse. I think it's more so um, when we were talking about righteousness. This is almost aligned with that. It's, it's standing up for the right thing. Um, and I think that's always going to be followed with an encouragement from the Holy Spirit. You're not going to have to guess. You're just going to know. Mm. What are some ways that we can keep our breastplate securely fastened? I think you kind of hate on that just then. Tell the truth. Well, I think you'll know if it's malfunctioning. Like you have a wardrobe malfunction, like you put it on the inside out. <laughs> Oops, a little slip That's there. Kind of, kind of breezy. <laughs> uh, so I did, I hit on First Peter. The other one is, uh, I think it's as a part of Scott, like having the core value of brotherhood, you should have an eye, like, I think as you begin to mature that core value and God sort of evolves this gift, it, it's almost like your duty to identify a brother whose armor is on wrong or is not securely fashioned. You know, when when we used to either sort of prepare for deployments or you get ready for a training exercise or something, you're going to go down the line and you're going to inspect every soldier. Like, is your headgear on correctly? Is your pack straight? Do you have any tag-alongs? Like, you're going to sure up their their all of their gear. It's the same thing here. Yeah, I, you know, I'll kind of talk more about that. So you were in the Army, right? Yep. And uh, when you went in, I'm not sure of your role, but is that something that y'all did? Yep. Before you went into, uh... yeah, you have you have to because the reason why is um, until you're tested in your gear, you don't know how it's going to perform, right? Superficially, you can put it all on; it looks great. Then, you know, jump over a fence or climb through a bunch of trees, and it gets snagged and shifted around. You realize, oh, my chin strap wasn't tight enough, or uh, my packs. You know, we used to call them tagalongs, right? The reason why, like all your straps, when you pulled them tight, then you rolled them up and it had a fixture to keep them cinched so that they weren't stringing around and, you know, get caught in a bay door as you try to jump out. That's like one of the things that you look for as you're inspecting of like, do you have it, even when you're preparing for sort of formal inspections, right? If you had a string, you know, the person who was inspecting you would take a lighter and burn it and singe it and get rid of it. Because you want to be sort of inspection ready, for lack of a better word. Man, that's good. Sorry, I just thought about that. It's like wake up in the morning to be inspection ready. Mm. Like as you put on your full armor. And then who who's who's your... This gets more into the year three, right? Is who's your person that's going to know when your armor's messed up? Mm, that's good. Mm. I'm telling you, we should just do a full episode. <laughs> you know, I sit there and think about, uh, you know, making sure that you're putting it on daily. Because if you're not doing it that that way, then you can fail on the. Well, I, don't, I don't know if fail is the right word, but you can put it on incorrectly, mm-hmm. and uh, and until you have that practice, huh? I'm just thinking out loud there. And, and I honestly think you should be able to tell when it's not fitting correctly is when you're doing all of the opposite. So, like I wrote in my notes, uh, careless, being abusive with your grace, disobedient, refusal to forgive. Uh, relying on your own personal self-righteousness to follow yourself through things. And we know how well that works. <laughs> That's how you know. You're like, well, clearly I didn't put my breastplate on today because it's about me and my ways are the highways. My ways are the highways. <laughs> Long and drawn out. <laughs> There's another uh, another uh, scripture that I, I found. It's kind of kind of has the same things, but... He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighted down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans, widows, but he frustrates the plans of the wicked. Psalms and Proverbs that we just looked at, a lot of the things, it's weird how, I don't know, I didn't even notice that, but there's a lot of the same things in those two. Where have, um, in your life, have you noticed God frustrating the plans of the wicked for your life? You mean like when bad things don't happen that should? Yeah. 
so I always joke that when I get to heaven, I owe my guardian angel beer <laughs> because of just the sheer number of times I think that intercession has been performed in my life where like something really bad should have happened and didn't. What are one of those times? <sighs> Man, so uh, I won't tell the heart attack story just because I feel like I've beaten that one to death. But um, when I lived in Hawaii, there was... Uh, three hurricanes trending towards the islands and normally you can see one or two and they develop all the time in the pacific and they always because of the trade winds they tend to go up and around they rarely pass over and even more rare would be for one to pass over an island pick up speed again and then come on the south side all of them typically pass on the north so we had three hurricanes converging two went to the north one passed over the big island picked up strength and then trended north from a southern direction so south swell is something that's not it's very rare and surfers go crazy for it because um if you think like on the south side where you envision honolulu you got little four foot rollers you know it's where all the tourists are if you've got eight ten twelve foot monster waves coming that are crashing against the shore everyone's gonna get scared so I hear on surf reports, South Swell. I'm like, we're going to China Walls, which is, uh, it's basically you in the open ocean. And we get there, and the waves are capping at the top of the rock, so about 50 feet. Um, so you've got massive, massive swell. And guys are surfing really short barrels and getting out really short barrels. Because uh, I joked, I was like, Mother Nature is very angry today because you could feel the energy in the water. Like, so I get in, and when I jump in, I move almost 50 feet, like laterally in the water. The wave carries me from point A to point B in a matter of seconds. And I'm like, uh, no, like, it's probably not a good day to be in the water. This looked like fun at first, kind of like scary fun. So I go to try to make my way back out. And there are two ways to get out. You either beach or you you seal. So you effectively let the wave pick you up, drive you straight towards the rocks, knowing that it's going to cap and that you'll just get... And you can kind of seal your way up there. Or you climb out. And there were, as a rock climber, you'd appreciate there's tons of handholds that have been dug out over time by everyone that had been there. So it's a very clear, super navigable path to the top. But you've got to get out pretty quick. You have to time the set so you're in a trough, go up before this giant wave can scoop you off the rock. Oh, dude. <laughs> so I time the waves to get out. And I'm climbing, and a rogue wave comes at a 45-degree angle to the wall, which I wasn't expecting. And I can see it, and I i don't have much time. Because of the direction that it's coming at the angle towards the rock, it's just, if I jumped out, it would just push me back into the rock. So the genius that I am thought, well, if I make myself as small as possible on the rock, like grab the handholds and pull in real, real tight, maybe the wave will just wash over me. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, the wave took me like a washing machine and smashed me into the rock multiple times. Uh, I cut my leg on coral. I guess the coral scars don't heal. They create these really weird, light, soft spots in the skin. Something about an enzyme in them. So I'm bleeding all on my left side. And my board goes flying, so it's just me. And I'm like, well, I swim out. I try to get out of the breaker. And so I get out into a little bit more of open ocean. I'm maybe 200 feet from from the rocks. And I'm just trying to tread water. And like my arm is really hurt. And so I'm just barely can keep my head above the water and I'm exhausted. And something that they tell you in, in swift water rescue training that is to never utter the words like, well, this is it. Because the minute that you speak it your brain changes from fight or flight and so i was like dang it i don't want to drown i remember just telling myself like i can't believe i'm about to drown because i can't i have no energy left and uh i'm like you know just barely my face out of the water and a guy saw me the whole time and so the minute i'm ready to give up he's in front of my face and 
kind of pulls me up onto the back of his board so that I can rest. And we're just like, you know, kind of going up and down over the waves just as I'm just resting. I can only hold on like with my arms. And he's giving me this lecture about like people die out here all the time, you know. So he's almost like I always look at it as like as that was my guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing. It's a it's a god moment. Nothing else. And uh, he's like, don't come out here again. Like he's telling me all these things. He's like, and when I tell you to swim, you swim, and don't stop. And so he timed the sets until he figured out like you got two minutes to get up and out. And so we slowly made our way back over into the breakers. And when we hit a trough, I swam and got out. And I just had, like, meat hanging off my arms. And my buddy that drove me, here's the measure of irony. So a couple weeks before that, my buddy got injured when we were at the same place. And we jokingly said he got bit by a shark. So we were he was hobbling up to the house, and I was carrying him. And then, you know, we were lying to our wives and saying, oh, yeah. And so we didn't get any sympathy then. It was oh. like, so What's I, the point? I, so when we get back to his house, um, I'm obviously limping and bleeding. And the wives literally pay no attention. They're like, oh, oh he's, he's, he's faking, faking again. again. <laughs> Looking for that sympathy. And then when I get close enough, then like Katie sees me and freaks out. And so like I get myself all kind of like bandaged up and then, you know, got an earful lecture on the drive back home about, um, you know, you're not living for just yourself anymore. And I can remember her saying those things because I remember thinking, yeah, this is a very selfish decision. But um, how that, did that com- I'm just curious. How did that comment change you? Uh, I stopped getting in the water almost completely. I stopped going on hikes, like anything where I was putting myself in like on the edge of danger. I stopped doing stop riding my motorcycle. Like it was a major life changing event. And people would say, well, you're not really living life to the fullest at that point. I'm like, I've almost died so many times. I don't fear it. And out of respect for it, I know how easily it can happen. Like in a moment's notice. So, I don't willingly put myself in scenarios that ultimately will endanger me because I know the danger is there one way or the other. The guy that rescued you, did you ever see him again? Mm-mm. I don't know who he see, was. See, I think it's one of those things. It is, man. It's a hundred percent God moment. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no yeah. way that it was anything but because it was like he was there and then he was gone. He didn't get out of the water with me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I've had one of those moments, and you're right. You should never, and for some reason, I feel like this is part of it but you should never think to yourself you know okay this is it i'm done uh i was climbing i was about uh, let's see 32 to 42 feet uh up on a rock Pretty and high up. just you know free climbing and then free I'll, climbing no yeah, rope no rope oh boy. and uh then i i started looking for the holds and i'm like i'm not holding i have no holds here and this is going to end bad <laughs> and yeah fell uh that was 30 minutes into actually setting up camp and then going climbing and for the rest of the weekend i was i was sitting by the campfire uh drinking some adult beverages i'm sure when i was in my early 20s but yeah that mindset of not i'm you know this is it i'm gonna drown or i'm not holding on to anything definitely it, it's weird how that that mindset can shift a whole body into thinking I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but yeah, if you think you're going to die, you ultimately will. Your yeah. your body follows your your mind is controlling all the synapses within your body. So, I know people have willed themselves like to do things that are superhuman just by yeah. thinking it. And yeah. versus <laughs> the on the other end of the pendulum, which is I absolutely can't do that, and you, you won't. And you don't hear the other end of the pendulum. You always hear the the survivor stories about you know, yeah, this such and such thing was going on, and I told myself I can't let it happen. I can't do that. I, you know, I can't let I can't go out like this. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep swimming. Whatever the case is, and you know, like Dan said, you don't hear the other side of the people that curse words. I hate them. I can't. I can't is a curse word in my book now. Dan, we're about to wrap up. Um, what would be some things that you'd want people would want to leave people with uh, on righteousness and the breastplate? This is like one of those subjects that I don't think people really address enough. And I think when you when you look 
if we if we truly did take this as being its own sort of series in a podcast is um as as a christ follower early seasoned matured in your walk i think this conversation probably needs to be redressed over and over again so that you can kind of understand just how your your armor of god has evolved over time and there's probably a powerful testimony in each different piece if you truly understand it so uh, I think it's just a good sort of personal inventory year over year to think of like, well, how many battles did I fight this year? Or, you know, how was I able to use, uh, you know, my sword or what have you? So I think that that's kind of maybe if if people that are listening think about it is if you've never actually taken the time to think through each one of the pieces and how you... Uh, maybe not physically put them on, but spiritually, you know, dress yourself every day. And if you're not, then you know you're going into battle unprepared. And you don't know when you're going to be called into battle. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the important of importance of putting it on is because every day may not seem like a battle until the battle's there. And it's in your face. And so I, I, that what people may experience as hard times may just be lack of preparedness. Oof. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Well, Strikers, that is the breastplate of righteousness. Alan, you got anything that you want to put a bow on it? No, this was great. Yeah. And I think what you were saying earlier, like just having a separate own episode by itself about, yeah, I think we'd be awesome to do. Right on. Well, uh, I I also wanted to mention, I should have brought this up in the brushing. Uh, I have signed up officially for uh, LA Dream Center again. Uh, some really cool news is my daughter uh, will be joining us. Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, so we'll be raising money for both of us. Um, what's interesting is, so she's going with me on a Christian outreach ministry, and she's not a believer. So hopefully some eyes will be opened and some things will be uh, revealed to her. So uh, if y'all can start praying on that. Um, the cost is a little bit more this year too, so that's going to be a fun little challenge, uh, on raising that. But yeah, strikers, if there's anything that, uh, that yet that's on your mind on the breastplate of righteousness, I just squirreled. Did y'all see that? Just took a left turn. Uh, yeah. Email us. How would they do that? Email us at mightyanvilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mighty Anvil Podcast. Uh, sorry, the Facebook group is The Mighty Anvil. And for those that just want to listen right off the website, you can go to themightyanvil.com and uh, click any of the links to listen to any episode from all four seasons. Right on. I need to update it for the fifth one. We got a couple of them. Yeah. All right, Strikers. Uh, Until next time. Well, I guess we oh, we get Dan to pray us out. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, we almost stepped out without oh, praying out. I'm so unprepared. I don't. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Just lean on the Holy Spirit, my friend. Man. Father God, we we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for being in the room with us. We thank you for these airwaves, and we thank you for the listeners. We thank you for the people that just take time out of their mornings, their afternoons, or their evenings, and listen to this podcast and hope to hear a word from you, God, or speak directly through you, penetrate their soul, and, and just embolden them in some point. God, we thank you for the the armor of God. We thank you for all the elements. We thank you for this breastplate of righteousness that's centered in the truth. And and we understand that you are the vine and we are the branches. And so having that connection of of your righteousness with your name on our armor centered in your truth just fully prepares us for anything that we might uh, endeavor and God, I thank you for Alan. I thank you for Scott. I thank you for the purpose of this podcast. I thank you for the blessing and the anointing that you put on their lives, God. And just continue to protect their families and protect anyone that listens to this podcast, God, and shield them from the enemy and surround them with a hedge of protection. And just know that they are they are living a purpose driven life as as they begin to make these these choices and these steps to to understand who you are and to follow in your footsteps. Uh, we uh, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that you so richly deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, Strikers, Till next week.